It's not just time to get away. It's time to travel with Anita. From around the world to across Georgia, she covers it all. Now, here's the host of Travel with Anita, Anita Thomas. Hello, 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 and welcome to Travel with Anita and Friends. Now, where will you travel this year? Are you ready to explore new places or return to some of your old favorite spots? Well, this year, I have one destination that is top of the list for me, and that is Yellowstone National Park. It's their 150th anniversary, and doesn't that sound exciting? I mean, 150 years, who knew? And where I'd like to celebrate this monumental recognition is in Cody, Wyoming, a town that is named to honor and founded by William Buffalo Bill Cody. Known for his love of the West and for building communities, it's a great place to celebrate this 150th anniversary for Yellowstone National Park because it's also located right by the park. So it's no wonder that Cody, Wyoming would be the ideal place to celebrate our national parks and in particular Yellowstone National Park. So as Yellowstone National Park looks to become 150 years old, it's the perfect time to start planning now for a trip to be part of the festivities, the events, and when we can say happy birthday right there at the National Park, that would be great. And it's one of the most visited parks with 3.8 million people. Now, Buffalo Bill is known for his Wild West show, and a visitor Cody may be a little late to meet Buffalo Bill, but there's lots of history, outdoor sporting, adventure, and things like that. And Bob Richards was born and raised in Cody and has history to share from his family moving to the area to how he continues to carry out his family's love of the area through photography and sharing the grand outdoors with travelers. So here's my conversation with Bob. My grandfathers from both sides of my family came to Cody, Wyoming in 1900. And uh, my grandfather uh, became a tour operator, hunter, guide, partnered with a man by the name of Ned Frost. So Fred, Richard, and Ned Frost were partners and then they became brother-in-laws, raised their children together, guided people to Yellowstone, guided people hunting and fishing and helping people love and enjoy the mountains. So this was my grandfather on the Richard side. The Richard side. Okay. My other grandfather came into the Bighorn Basin and was a farmer and sheep man oh. and ran cattle with sheep uh, starting in 1900. And so both sides of the family were involved in livestock and in people and that type of thing. And where did they come to uh, Cody from? Uh, my grandfather came from Eden, Vermont, on the Richard side, and the grandfather on my mother's side came from uh, Idaho and Utah. Mm, okay. And uh, I was asking about the work. So, um, what type of work was there available during the 1900s? Was it mainly cattle and ranching, or you mentioned the tours. I wasn't aware that people were kind of coming for tours that early. Well, it was cattle, sheep, and that was the main thing that was going on in 1900. And Ned Frost, which became an uncle, and Fred Richard partnered up and became tour operators, hunters, guides, 
and had a very profitable business in Yellowstone, taking up to 150 guests by wagon and horseback on an 18-day trip, self-sustaining, uh, through Yellowstone Park. Wow, and uh, what were they hunting for? In Yellowstone, they didn't hunt. That was a guided tour of the uh, geysers, hot springs, mm -hmm. and beautiful features, as well as wildlife. But the hunting was outside in the national forest. They hunted for mountain sheep outside the park, moose, deer, elk, and other wildlife. That's, that's really amazing, that's amazing. But now what, um, what type of work did, did the women do? Well, my grandmother was on one of my grandfather's tours and she was a teacher from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And they fell in love and at uh, Lake Hotel, uh, granddad took her there for dinner. They were camping near the hotel and he asked her about the 16th day on the tour if she would marry him. Oh, wow. And there were 18 ladies on this tour and they were on their way home. And then the following New Year's Eve, granddad went back to Chicago and married my grandmother, who then came out west and learned to be the wife of a hunter, trapper, outdoorsman, a big change. Mm -hmm. And then about 11 months later, as she was about to deliver my father, her sister, who was a nurse in Chicago, came out to help deliver my dad at the ranch, and she fell in love with my grandfather's partner, Ned Frost. Mm -hmm. And then they got married, and they were homesteading and doing tours to Yellowstone, and they became very close uh, family. And in the 1900s, when your family first moved to the area, what was it like interacting with the Native people that were there? Uh, there weren't too many Native people. Uh, they had been moved onto the reservation uh, down by Lander, and they were Shoshones. And uh, the Shoshones and Chief Washakie was the leader of the Shoshone tribe, and he got a very large chunk of Wyoming for his tribe and uh, was doing quite well. And then our government decided that he had too much, and so they put another tribe in on the same reservation who were the arch enemies of the Shoshone. Oh my and that caused lots of trouble, but they worked it out. And uh, I worked on a master's thesis about the Native Americans, as my grandfather's mother was a uh, full-blooded Iroquois Indian. So I have a lot of that blood uh, flowing through my vein. Now, have you written any books or anything? Uh, I have published seven books, uh, basically of the Yellowstone area, my family, uh, my dad's photography, uh, and I love gathering history. I provide uh, monthly talks at the Buffalo Bill Historic Center in Cody, and I do a, a talk every month on some ranch or some part of the history of the Cody area or Yellowstone. And they put it on YouTube, so it's available to anybody and uh, 
it's been very successful. I've had full auditoriums and uh, I am now developing quite a, a base of people that come to, to hear the stories and learn more about their own history in the Cody area in Yellowstone. That's awesome. Well, how can we find the uh, videos on YouTube? Uh, go to uh, Buffalo Bill Center of the West and you can go down or key in Bob Richard on YouTube Okay. and uh, it'll take you to my talks and right now there's four of them on YouTube and one is of our biggest ranch in the area which is called the Hoodoo Ranch and it's uh, over uh, a quarter of a million acres of land, nine ranches but it shows a history and the people that helped develop them from the beginning and they were friends of my granddad and so a great deal of meaning to me. Well, I'm going to check all of them out, <laughs> Bob, for sure. But now, how can we find your books? Uh, BobRichardPhotography.com Stay put, because I have more with Bob. He tells us all about Buffalo Bill. Back in a minute, here on Travel with Anita and Frank. Richards, born and raised in Cody, a man who knows the West and all of the historical figures that we know well too. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. I continue my conversation with Bob Richards. Listen to his full story where he talks about his grandfathers and Buffalo Bill and how he became a pilot in the Marine Corps. And, uh, Bill Cody engaged my grandfather and Ned Frost uh, on many trips of his European guests, the most notable our guest was the Prince of Monaco in 1913, and Granddad took the Prince for 13 days, 14 days, uh, hunting for moose, elk, bear, uh, right up in the high mountains, and was very successful. And the Prince was planning to come back. I have correspondence from him with my Granddad. And the interesting thing, that's when World War I started, and the prince had to cancel his trip. But uh, many, many notable people from Europe and elsewhere, as well as the United States, came and did tours with Frost and Richard. Bill Cody was very gregarious. Uh -huh. He built the Irma Hotel in Cody, and uh, which was the, it's like the Brown Palace here, which Bill Cody 
visited quite often. It was an icon in a small community, but everybody that came out west visited the Irma Hotel. Granddad was one of the people that did trips for people and guided people, and so there was a relationship from uh, probably 1905 on with Bill Cody. He, Bill Cody was a builder of communities, and he brought uh, a dam into the Cody area that was built for irrigation, for recreation, and uh, he provided the start of five different irrigation districts that uh, today we have probably over seven, eight hundred farmers that are benefiting from that water that was behind the dam. Buffalo Bill got his nickname because he guided uh, foreign visitors uh, hunting buffalo. And he also killed buffalo for the feeding of the railroad as it was being built. And uh, after he killed several buffaloes, they decided to call him Buffalo Bill. And people say, well, why that? I said, well, it would sound strange if they called him Bison Willie. <laughs> Buffalo Bill does have a nice ring to it. I mean, it, it really does. But his great-grandchildren are still alive and living in Cody. And I serve on the American Legion board with uh, his great-grandson today. But now let's talk a little bit about y your history also working with the National Park. I was selected by the superintendent uh, to be a horse patrolman in the front country meeting and visiting with guests. And he said, I started a horse patrol in Yosemite and I want to start it here in Yellowstone where you meet the public and work with the public. And he looked at me over his glasses and he says, can you ride a horse? I said, yes, sir, I think so. He says, on your way out of the park going to Cody, I want you to stop at the Buffalo Ranch where we have 60 head of Park Service horses and pick out three horses and uh, then have them send them out to Lake where I'm going to have you stationed. And Dad and I stopped at the Lamar Buffalo Ranch and Here's a big corral uh, with 60 horses milling around, and I'm thinking, how am I going to pick out a horse with that many horses? And Three of them. <laughs> the old caretaker came out with a rope, a can of grain, and he says, you can pick anyone you want. Well, I walked out in the center, and these horses are milling around, and all of a sudden, I'm nudged on my back, and I look, and here's a big sorrel horse, and he's sticking his nose in my gallon can of grain. And I slipped the rope over his neck and led him to the gate and the old cowboy who was taking care of him says, you can't have that horse. I said, why? He's an outlaw. He's bucked everybody off. He's mean, he's terrible. I said, uh, do you have a saddle? And I need a hackamore and a saddle blanket. And I led the horse out and took him over to a small round corral. And the old cowboy's muttering to himself, but he got me a saddle and a hackamore, which has no bit. And uh, I saddled the horse and put the hackamore on him and walked him around, and he seemed pretty gentle. And I noticed that he was a stallion, a uh, Morgan stallion, and I couldn't see over his back. He was that tall. Wow. And I'm wondering, how am I going to get into the saddle because I'm not that tall? Uh, I thought I was tall at six feet, but <laughs> this horse was big. 
and uh, I finally got him over where there was a, a log that I could climb up and I got on him and walked him around, he was fine. And I rode over to the gate and I said, Dad, open up the gate, I'm gonna ride him out to the middle of the valley and back. And uh, the old cowboy says, you're gonna get killed. And I says, no, I'm not. Of course, I'd been raised on a ranch and I knew horses. And I bonded with that horse and we went out and back and never offered any trouble. And I unsaddled him and I said to the caretaker and old cowboy, I said, I want this horse and two more just like him. And I said, you pick them out and deliver them. And he says, you can't have them. I said, you call and tell the superintendent I can't have them. And he just muttered to himself and the following Monday, my big red stallion was there with two other horses and I renamed him Big Red. And I rode him for five summers and he never bucked, he never offered any trouble. I could drop the reins and he would stand there while I would walk into a campsite, visit with people. Found my wife in Yellowstone when I was a young ranger and we had two sons in Yellowstone. Uh, and my wife was a surgical nurse from Washington, D.C. And she was feeding the bears and that's how we met. And uh, I... She's brave. Uh, well, in those days, we had 150 black bears begging along the roads, and it was part of Yellowstone. And uh, I said, I can write you a ticket, or you and your girlfriend, I can fix your girlfriend up, and we can have dinner in Jackson. And she's, well, I'm no fool. And so we went to dinner in uh, Jackson Hole and came back and uh, corresponded, and then she came out, and we got married. and. Uh, the Marine Corps, and I had enlisted in the Marine Corps years earlier, came to me and said, do you still want to fly? And I said, yes, I do. And they said, well, we'll commission you tomorrow before graduation. And I said, but I'm committed to the Park Service. They said, make up your mind what you want to do. Well, I wanted to fly worse than I did to make a career of the Park Service. So I was commissioned, but I had an uncle that flew in World War II dive bombers and he pinned his wings on me when I was nine and he said someday you might earn those wings and they're gold navy wings and I earned and pinned his wings that he'd pinned on me at nine and the admiral that pinned them on was my uncle's roommate when they went through flight training many years before and I was walking about three feet off the ground I bet. but uh, I spent 12 years in the Marine Corps because my heart was still in Yellowstone and I did 37 years of taking one family or bus tours to Yellowstone telling history telling and sharing with them the feel that I have of my backyard Wow, what a fascinating story and a fascinating man. Now I'm going to put my full conversation with Bob on my website, travelwithanita.com. So go over and check it out because we talk about a lot of things other than what I could share here on the show. Now, you guys stay put because when we come back, I'm going to move and talk about um, some of the sporting and outdoor activities and things that you can do with a guy named Wes Allen. Back in a minute here on Travel with Anita and Friends. It ain't always a cat.
talk about outdoor activities and fun things to do, one place that we know you can definitely go and have lots of fun and lots of great adventures is Yellowstone National Park. Welcome back to Travel with Anita and Friends. Now, I've been talking with Bob Richards, who told us all about the history of Cody, Wyoming. But now there's also another guy in Cody, Wyoming, who can tell us all about all of the recreational outdoor adventures, all of those things that we can do. He's over at Sunlight Sports, and his name is Wes Allen. And here's what he has to say about you coming to Yellowstone in Cody, Wyoming, to have a great experience. Well, the business has been um, there for 50 years. This is our 50th anniversary this year. And um, the person in our family started it, started it because he liked climbing. His dad owned the Western Wear store in Cody, which, you know, in 1970 in Cody, there was a lot of Western wear, not a lot of outdoor recreation. So it started as a couple of shelves in a cowboy shop, basically. And as it got, um, as outdoor rec started to pick up in the 1970s, the uh, store switched over from being a cowboy store to being an outdoor rec store. And what were some of the things that sort of started this whole outdoor recreation kind of theme and, and kind of push for people coming to Cody? Sure. Um, so people obviously have been coming to Cody for 150 years to come to Yellowstone. Um, but in the 1970s, there was a, a big movement as people um, decided they wanted to get out and connect with nature a little bit more. And so that was the start of um, hiking and backpacking being much more in the public eye. It became kind of a fad in the early 1970s and um, then maintained popularity, got very popular again in the early 90s and we've actually seen one of those big resurgences here in 2020 and 2021 as we've come through the pandemic. One of the um, reactions people have had to everything that's been going on is they've been wanting to get outside more, maybe away from people, maybe just wanting to um, enjoy something that's not a computer screen for a little while. Talk about the people who are coming maybe for the first time, they don't have this sort of family background, so they didn't grow up, you know, hiking and camping. Maybe they grew up in the city, right. but now they want to try hiking. Do you offer any lessons or kind of prep talks and things like that for folks who are, you know, ready to do it, but not really sure? Or even some of those people that think they know, yes. <laughs> but need a little guidance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, that's kind of what we do almost every day. We, we answer questions for people that are concerned about bears and going to the bathroom and how do I not get lost? But um, one of the things that we are doing this coming spring in partnership with some of our, our, our corporate partners, between February and May, people can make um, a Zoom appointment or a phone appointment and call us or contact us and we'll sit down for an hour with them and answer any questions they might have. Help them pick out where they're going to stay and what they're going to go do and give them a list of things to think about, maybe a th list of things to, to bring with them. And we'll do that before their trip so that they can feel like they can get there and be prepared. A lot of it um, is not going to be complicated, but there are some insights that's probably pretty hard to find unless you're actually in the area. We're going to try to help them um, have the best trip of their life when they come to the Greater Yellowstone. So can you uh, kind of paint the picture then for us of what the Yellowstone experience would be, you know, going on a, a tour and a hike and everything with you guys? Yeah, you bet. Well, I think it's really important to understand that Yellowstone itself is, you know, 2.2 million acres. 
but surrounding Yellowstone is another three and a half million acres of wilderness. It's, it's the largest intact temperate ecosystem on the planet. Um, and so, you know, there are millions of people who go to Yellowstone every year. The thing to know is that the busy parts of the park are about 7,000 acres. There's 2.2 million acres that's relatively um, empty, but amazing wilderness and very approachable. You can, uh, it's not difficult to get in, to get out of your car and go on an easy trail and be in a Yellowstone that might have been there 100 or 200 years ago as far as the wildlife. Um, you know, people can expect to have, um, it's high altitude, so it's six or 7,000 feet. So you'll want to bring a warm jacket. Um, we'll talk about wildlife. You'll think about, like, how do I keep myself safe from grizzly bears? The answer is, it's pretty easy. Actually, the most dangerous part of Yel getting to Yellowstone and being in Yellowstone is being in the car. Like, <laughs> like, there's not very many people that have wildlife problems, as long as they follow some simple guidelines. But once you get there, and you start um, getting out on the trail, and you get away from your car, Yellowstone is an amazing area. It's an amazing area driving around too. Don't get me wrong. But going out and just walking and being on your feet and seeing a bison 200 yards away while you're standing on the trail is a um, singular experience. And Yellowstone um, has a certain feeling and a vibe about it that is at once both wild and kind of comforting to me at least. Well, it sounds comforting just to hear how you're describing it. So bison, uh, grizzly bears, what are some of the other wildlife? Because I know there's some small creatures too that we would love to see. Totally. So tell us about the wildlife. Yeah, there's a, well, again, uh, a huge variety of wildlife. This is an ecosystem that's relatively healthy and intact. So, you know, the big characteristic, uh, charismatic, I should say, kind of big megafauna that everybody talks about are bears, wolves, and bison. Um, you'll absolutely see bison on your first day. Um, bears and wolves, you kind of have to look a little bit more for. But there are also um, pronghorn, antelope, basically. Um, there are a wide variety of small animals, anything from coyotes to marmots. You know, there are squirrels and birds and everything all over. As a matter of fact, there's even a native boa um, snake in Yellowstone. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, even I, I've grown up in the area. I have less than 100 miles of trails in the park that I have not yet hiked. <laughs> I've yet to see a rubber boa. <laughs> that is a, a piece of wildlife that I've never seen before. The, the whole Yellowstone show has definitely changed a little bit um, the conversation that you have when, with people when they come to visit. You know, there is an opportunity when people come because they want to be on horseback and several outfitters, even around Cody, that will take people out um, on a horseback ride and get out into the wilderness and get that feeling um, that the, the first uh, people had after it was a national park. And I think on the positive thing, that kind of Western experience is something that people are looking for even more now because of the show. And um, I will say that um, Cody and the east side of Yellowstone particularly, man, we have that in abundance. There are plenty of opportunities 
to go out and have that more Western type of experience. Seeing the Yellowstone area and the greater Yellowstone from horseback is one of the kind of most romantic things that you can do. And you can do it um, for as long as you like. There are people who will take you on a two-day um, horseback trip or a 10-day horseback trip into the most remote spot in the lower 48 states. And you can also do a two-hour horseback trip if you like. Well, all of that is great to go out with those outfits, but we want to come see you, Wes. So tell us how we can do that and have the great experience with you and your company. Absolutely. Well, um, you can find us online at sunlightsports.com. Um, the, there you'll have an opportunity to just make an appointment to chat with one of the people who work at the shop about your Yellowstone trip. Um, and then I would hope that people would stop in when they come through Cody. We're right on the downtown Main Street area. It's really hard to miss our big yellow awning. And uh, we'd love for people to come in and, and just say hi. Well, are you guys ready for some outdoor activity? I know I am. And especially celebrating Yellowstone National Park's 150th anniversary. The perfect time to go when there'll be lots of things going on right there in Cody, Wyoming. Now, you guys sit tight because when we come back, I'll give you some hints and um, a little bit about where you can stay when you go out to Cody. And um, get ready to help Yellowstone National Park celebrate their 150th anniversary. Back in a moment here on Travel with Anita and Friends. Home, home on the range Where the deer and the antelope play Where seldom is heard a discouraging word And the skies are not cloudy When you talk about going to the national parks, you always think about camping, but there are other ways to have great accommodations. I talk with Rick Horninghauser, and he tells us all about a great place to stay when you're visiting Yellowstone National Park. We, I actually work for a company called Zantara Travel Collection, and Yellowstone is one of their brands, Yellowstone National Park Lodges, and I'm the sales and marketing director. So we, uh, Zantara, are contracted by the National Park to manage the concessions facilities, which include the lodging, affiliated restaurants, tours and activities, gift shops, uh, and, and maintain all those as well. It's not just manage them, but it's, it's, it's maintain and refurbish and, and, uh, and manage all those facilities and operations. And marketing too, it sounds like. And I'm the guy, the lucky guy who gets to market all that and have been doing so for about, uh, it's not all been marketing for the better part of 30 years though I've been involved with marketing. So it's been, it's been quite a, uh, I've been very privileged and honored to be part of, of Yellowstone. So tell me a little bit about some of the things, though. So you mentioned that, you know, it's a hotel, but what about camping? Because when I think of Yellowstone and the Rockies and the national parks, I always think about camping. Yeah. Well, actually, there are nine hotels or lodging facilities that we manage that equals about 2,300 plus 
rooms and cabins. We also do manage four campgrounds and an RV park, and there's about 1,400 campsites within those within four campgrounds that we manage. And the RV park, which we've just completed a major renovation on, is another about 300 or so RV sites with full hookups. So certainly camping's a big part of it. And the Park Service also has, the National Park Service, has an additional, uh, I think, seven campgrounds, um, smaller. But uh, certainly visiting the park, camping's a big part of it. But going back to its establishment, and again, this is the world's first national park established in 1872. It's amazing. It's a long time, 150 years now, (laughs) next year. But, um, you know, way back when, visitors came predominantly from the east, and they they didn't all want to camp, and it was something that, at the time, it was more upscale travelers. They'd take the train out, and they wanted a hotel in many cases. So hotels were built in Yellowstone uh, f- f- since before the turn of the, of the 20th century, and uh, some of them still remain, although we've also you know, built some new ones and added some additional facilities since then. But it's, it, Yellowstone's a mix of camping, historic hotels, and some new ones. Well, you know, that's very interesting that you mentioned that because I think we kind of know that, that historically, you know, it was people who could afford to travel yeah. that were traveling. So absolutely they would want, you know, those luxuries. I'm, I'm doing the finger, you know, quotes here. <laughs> uh, uh, the, you know, the, the luxuries that maybe they had at home and maybe a little bit of adventure kind of branching out from that. But certainly I would think that would be a big part of it. So historically, uh, tell me a little bit about some of the first hotels and things like that that you well, guys had. Some of the first hotels, again, this is the first national park and businesses sort of popped up and uh, so there were some small hotels just a few rooms and here and there and not not a lot of organization or control over it all but after a while uh, certain the railroads played a big part in this seeing an opportunity to generate passengers by traveling out to this what was originally known as wonderland even yellowstone you can imagine geysers and all this wildlife and beautiful scenery it, they recognized that, that there's a possibility that people would like to travel out here. So with that and the, and the railroads came the need for hotels and facilities that uh, were a little more like what you might find back east. In fact, some of the first hotels, in our case, one that's still with us is the Lake Yellowstone Hotel, was built in, in, with a design that, that would uh, resemble what you might find back east. The thing about Yellowstone, though, and, and this was in 1903 and 04. Uh, a new hotel, an inn, the Old Faithful Inn, was built. And this was a a big change in how things were done in parks, and it it became a a movement, if you will, or a trend in architecture, rustic national park architecture. The Old Faithful Inn was built out of local stone and logs and wood, and gnarled wood was used to to build the the main interior lobby. And so it wasn't a traditional eastern-looking hotel. It was something that looked like it, it was from local... Uh, materials like it grew there Mm -hmm. and it became very popular and it inspired something rustic park architecture and which became known kind of in a slang term as park architecture well so in addition to what you know people wanted the comfort that they may have been used to back east they came out and just started to discover some other kinds of architecture that was very inviting and very interesting and very different and and very specific to the park and and so it became it's the most popular hotel we still have today is the old faithful inn well, Rick, now tell me how we can go about uh, planning a trip, and especially with the 150th anniversary coming up for 2022. Well, in our case, uh, all our facilities, we have a website, 
YellowstoneNationalParkLodges.com. That's what we do. That's our website. Um, and we there's an event planned right now that we have, a public event on May 6th, with the opening of the Old Faithful Inn, which is that iconic architecture lodge, right? Um, we're going to do a public event. There'll be some remarks. There'll be uh, some tours. There'll be refreshments and all. It's not a huge thing. It's, it's, a, it's a fairly low-key um, event, but to mark the essentially the opening of the summer season of the 150th year. But um, one thing we do have there, which we've done before, and now that we're hopefully getting out of the pandemic, we can do again. We have a Native American uh, tribal exhibition, art exhibition and marketplace in the lobby of the inn. So in this case, we'll have four Native American artists who we worked with in the past, painting and a variety of arts. And uh, yeah, it's an amazing work. Um, They'll be there for the weekend. And then, uh, and that's part of something we do all summer. We've been doing, pandemic put a lot of this on hold, but we're hoping we're back into business now. And something we called Inspired by Yellowstone. And that's where we bring in local artists, writers, even, you know, food and beverage producers, local distillers or whatever. They'll come in and bring some of, and you know, for samples. Um, so it's festive, but it also focuses on, it's an important piece of us to support the local communities as well. And sustainably made items as well. Sustainability is important to us. So all of that will go on throughout the summer where we have inspired by Yellowstone events that will ultimately be on our website. Um, but for that opening event, for us, that's what we're doing. The National Park Service is still putting finishing touches on their plans for the summer. Um, and they, they do have some. They, they say they will be making those announcements in January. They'll update their website and, and, and the, whatever they're going to do, which I understand is a series of things. There'll be some presentations and some uh, with, you know, scientists and, and others that and they want to definitely look at the park's history where we are today and what lessons can be learned in order to protect it and, and keep it going forward. So their, their programming is going to be based throughout the summer to, to kind of focus on those sorts of things. More to come in January on their plans. And give me your website again. YellowstoneNationalParkLodges.com. Perfect, perfect. Now, what, what was the actual date of the opening of uh, Yellowstone National Park? Yellowstone was established in, on March 1st, 1872. Yeah, so if for Mar- March for us is still is the end of the winter season. Now I I believe there's that the Park Service is going to be doing an event um, someplace. I think it's going to be outside the park, but um, it's not. It, while winter's a great time of year to visit, I would offer um, it's 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 not going to be the busiest time of year. That we're waiting for the summer uh, to happen. And uh, one other thing I guess I would offer as we for, for whatever it's worth, the parks the. the from the bigger picture planning of the 150th that the Park Service is, is, is um, managing and directing, if you will, there's a, a, an appropriate uh, intent to involve more Native American voices in, this, in, the, in, the, uh, in the observance of the, of the uh, anniversary. There's 27 tribes that have, are affiliated with Yellowstone, and not all of them are necessarily all happy about national parks and, and Yellowstone. There's a, like anything, there's multiple sides. But the good news is the Park Service is, is actively engaged in, in bringing in voices, the Native American, the indigenous voices, uh, to this process going over the summer. So uh, I think this, it's a great opportunity because those have been voices that haven't always had a, a platform 
or a, or a, or an, or an amplifier, if you will, to, with which to get there. And I very much am excited uh, to, to learn more about it and hopefully be, be close enough to I can maybe not be directly involved, but, uh, but observe and, and listen to and benefit from, from what that's all going to be going forward. We do our thing with, with Native American artists we've been working with for years. And, and that's one element of it. But there's so much more to it than just that. So I, th- I think it'll be exciting to see what, how that comes out and something. The Park Service will have a website at that point. The National Park Service will. And it's NPS, nps.gov slash Y-E-L-L. That's their main website. NPS.gov slash Y-E-L-L. It's not there yet, but in January, their website will be updated to provide up all this information on programs they're doing. So exciting. I'm looking forward to this. So I will definitely be checking out that website and checking out yours as well. Now, thanks for listening today. If you guys are like me, I am so ready to go to Yellowstone National Park and help them celebrate 150 years. And, you know, there's so many things that we can do. If you're not wanting to do rafting or things like that, there's hiking. There's so many things to do. And my guests today, all three of them, have given us lots of great information so that we can plan the best trip. But now check out my website, travelwithanita.com. And that's, of course, Anita with two ends for more information and also some great guidebooks, too. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye. I want to get-